Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Positively Unique podcast. This is Lauren Nichols, and my podcast focuses on my favorite coaching topic, burnout. As a certified professional coach, I aim to help my clients shift from burnt out to on fire. Each episode will feature a topic specific to burnout. I create each episode with you in mind, providing helpful tips, tricks, and lessons learned from me and my guests to help you make the small shifts to start seeing some big changes. Today's episode has been a long time coming. I dive deep into my own burnout story and share how I began to recover when it felt like there was no light at the end of the tunnel. I still get emotional talking about it because it was a very pivotal moment in my life. I'm excited to finally put this out into the world so that my listeners like you can gain insights from the lessons I learned along the way so that you can start to recover from your burnout no matter where you are in your journey. Today, I'm telling my burnout story, and it's something I've been wanting to do for a little while, but it's been hard for me to write my story, and I finally figured out why I was having a hard time with it. I started writing it from the perspective of what situations caused me to burn out, but I realized that isn't the correct way to tell my story because someone or something didn't cause my burnout. The why behind my burnout is actually more than my story. My burnout can be directly linked to my thoughts and my beliefs about what I was doing at the time. It wasn't a pesky boss or a disorganized culture that caused my burnout, even though I wanted to blame those things. It was my own thinking that caused me to get to the point that I did. And the point that I got to was crying on my way to work, crying on my way home from work, feeling the difficulty in everyday tasks, and finally quitting my job with nothing lined up. I'll get into more of that with my story, but let's talk about some of the top burnout thoughts that I had. Number one, the idea of not knowing something and feeling dumb as a result or feeling like I should know more than I did. Number two, I didn't want to admit that I didn't like what I was doing because that meant I was a failure. If I left, I would have to start over. Number three, the lack of structure that I had and little to no external validation other than promotions. And then number four, the pesky thought we've all had that tells you I'm not good enough and then chasing somebody else's definition of success. So those are my top thoughts, but let's talk about my burnout story. My story started a long time before I ever experienced any signs or symptoms of burnout, which it does in most cases. Everyone I had seen succeed, every praise story I had read or heard, and every piece of validation I received has added fuel to my burnout fire. I grew up playing sports and was always a good student. Any athlete out there knows how much validation is a part of your life. In college, I was a two-sport athlete. With that came plenty of structure in my day and lots of feedback mechanisms, be it from my teachers, coaches, teammates, guidance counselors, internship mentors, and anyone else that I came across that gave me any sort of validation. I always knew how I was doing because I could ask or I could see proof with a grade. Everything I'd experienced up until this point in my life was part of my burnout story. Every piece of validation, every positive reinforcement, every grade, every experience, every person I ever met, all of it. It's all part of my story because it's part of what formed the beliefs about how I wanted to succeed in life. When I graduated college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. 
I majored in Spanish and management, an odd combination for anything that sounded appealing at the time. And let me define what appealing meant to me at that time. It meant making good money and working in a fancy office that made me feel important. I wanted to be downtown in a big office where I would dress up and work clothes and have an opportunity to make good money, where I could feel and look important. Even though it felt like my definition of success at the time, I picked this up from society and from my own experiences thus far in my life. It wasn't what I would have defined as success had I actually taken the time to really dig into it and understand it, but I didn't know that was something I needed to do at the time. So I landed an entry-level job at a fintech company, and I really had no idea what that meant at the time. I spent the first few weeks trying to learn the system, which I did pretty fast, and once I mastered one task, it was on to the next, and then the next, and then the next. About three months in, I remember calling my dad and telling him I didn't know what I was doing there and that I should quit. All I did was press buttons all day and do simple math. So why am I here with a college degree? Literally, anyone could do this. I felt like I was adding little value to my success plan, and there was so much more I could be doing. Just like any dad that gives advice, he told me to give it some more time and see how it went, which I did. And at the time, I was also coaching lacrosse, which really seemed to fill up my cup enough to keep going. So I worked it out so that I could work the full eight-hour day starting at 5.30 a.m. and still get to practice and games on time. I would come home exhausted, but ready to take on the next day. About six months after I called my dad, I started feeling confused and frustrated again about what I wanted to do on top of the exhaustion of the daily grind. But then I got my first promotion. And holy shit, did it feel good. My days working hard were finally paying off. My parents were proud. My friends thought it was cool. And I was living the definition of success that I painted earlier. I was promoted to our trading team. And let me remind you, I majored in Spanish and management. I took one finance class in college. I had no clue how to trade stocks or mutual funds or what that even really meant. But here I was on the team that managed that. I was making more money than I was before and figured that I would learn the ropes soon enough, just like I did before. I did to an extent, but then I started realizing and thinking to myself, had I secretly lied in my interview that I knew more than I did? And I became scared to ask questions because I thought I should just know it all because that's why they hired me. I felt like an imposter who knew nothing and didn't deserve to be in this role. And I wanted out. The funny thing about looking back at this right now is that even if I had majored in finance, this role would have been a learning curve. It wasn't textbook material. It wasn't learning something about stocks and mutual funds that you can learn in school. It was learning our proprietary platform, how it worked, how everything traded in there. It had nothing to do with the real world. And it was something I couldn't have been prepared for. But yet I constantly felt like I should know how to do this because everyone else seemed to know. Everyone else wasn't asking questions, so I didn't want to be the dumb one to raise my hand. That feeling stuck with me for the rest of my time at the company. And the funny thing is, my boss couldn't have been nicer when I asked questions, yet I couldn't bring myself to do it unless it was totally necessary because the last thing that I wanted to do was look dumb on my road to success. Just like my first role, I finally got into the swing of things. And a few months after that, 
I started feeling the same confusion I felt with my first role. What was I doing here? And just like that, I got another promotion and I was hooked again. The company continued growing rapidly, so there were constantly promotions and they were constantly looking to hire from within. I was so excited about this new role because it was less ops and more client focus, something I thought I would like a lot more. And I did for a while. I started working my way up on this team and finally became the team lead. All of the opportunities with a quickly growing company distracted me from those original feelings of, how did I get here and what's my big plan? Each promotion was validation that I was in the right place, even though deep down I knew I wasn't. It became enough validation to give me the energy and the motivation to keep going. So after about five years at the company, the early mornings at work, late nights coaching lacrosse, and social time with a few hours in between, they were starting to wear me down. At this time, the next promotion didn't happen for a while. I had zero external validation that I was doing a good job. So I assumed the worst and figured I wasn't doing as well as I used to be and that people were noticing. This is about the same time I started having a really hard time relaxing outside of work. Feeling this weight of insecurity at work carried into my personal life. And I always had to feel like I was being productive. So taking time off felt like I was falling behind. And even worse, I could never turn off my brain. I was responding to emails right before bed. I was responding to emails in the middle of the night. I was responding to emails right when I woke up. And I started bringing my computer home with me and working late nights because I saw other coworkers and bosses do that. So I assumed it's what I needed to do to get ahead. I would work on vacation and on weekends just to make sure people knew I was committed. And that feeling of having to be productive was a vicious cycle. I would feel like I needed to be doing something even though my body was fighting me just to shut off my brain and relax. And the more that that continued, the harder daily things became. Like paying my bills felt like the hardest thing in the world. So a quick distraction from the onset of my burnout like this came when I was selected to be part of a mentor program designed to take high achieving employees and develop them for the future. I was so incredibly honored and excited And I felt like I was part of the team again, and I forgot how much I really didn't enjoy what I was actually doing. I got to the, um, I got the feeling again that I must be doing something right, which gave me the validation I needed to keep on this path. So my mentor happened to be the head of sales, and that team also happened to be hiring. Even though I swore I would never, ever want to work in sales, I pursued the role. It paid more. I had a better title. And it sure seemed more exciting than the customer service I was doing. I remember my boss's boss sitting me down on a trip to Boston and asking if this was really what I wanted to do. I politely lied and said yes, even though deep down I knew that this wasn't the role that I wanted to do. I ignored the part of me that knew that I wanted to stay on my current team, but I felt overworked and underappreciated, a delicious recipe for burnout. So I was out of there. And this is when my burnout really started accelerating. Let me paint you a picture of my first day on the job. I moved my desk to a new team and was told to sit with Dan to learn about how our job worked. And that was the extent of my training. Nobody was there to teach me anything. And it was all learn as you go. My boss, who seemed to be around a lot in the beginning when I was hired, was never really in the office. And all of a sudden, I felt like I was on an island and had nobody to go to for help. This was certainly not a great 
environment for anyone who was starting to burn out already. Yet I wanted to succeed. I never told anyone how I was feeling for the fear of looking weak or not suited for the job. Again, I didn't want them to figure out that I was an imposter. So I just pretended to know what I was doing and kept plugging along. Everyone else seemed pretty content in their roles, so I kept thinking that I would finally get the hang of it and be happy. But the longer I kept the fake it till you make it mentality, the more exhausted and resentful I became. I constantly had a guard up because I didn't want people to know that I wasn't as smart as they thought I was. I didn't want my boss to feel like he had made a mistake in hiring me. And even though I received little to no training, I was still hesitant to ask questions. The burnout seemed very external at the time. And by external, I mean that it felt like everyone else was to blame. They were the ones judging me about my lack of knowledge or education or experience. They were the ones judging me about my lack of skill in sales. But what was really happening at the time is I was judging myself. I continued to hold on to the fact that I didn't major in finance and I had only taken one finance class, so I didn't know as much as my coworkers that did. Other people didn't think that, but I sure did. On top of that, I ignored the fact that I didn't even like it. Every time I called my dad complaining that I didn't know anything, he urged me to educate myself. He told me to apply to take my Series 7, which seemed easy in theory, studying for a test, but the motivation was really hard to find. Yet I ignored this and forced myself to like it because I feared if I did something else, the years I spent here would all be for nothing. I had made friends. I had built important relationships. I had been noticed, and I had made a name for myself. If I left now, all of that would have been a waste. But the cycle continued, and the more I forced and faked it, the more exhausted I felt. I held on to this belief that I should know everything and be good at my job. What I didn't realize at the time is that nobody knows everything, and a lot of people felt the same way that I did. I remember my first sales conference. Oh, this was a lot. I walked around for two days feeling like I should look busy and I should be in meetings because I was given zero direction on what I should be doing. Instead of asking coworkers or my boss or mentors for help or advice on what I needed to focus on, I just pretended to know what I was doing. I felt like if I asked for help, they would judge me. So I walked around trying to pretend to look busy. But the longer I waited to ask for help, the more I pigeonholed myself into the corner of despair. Not ironically at this time, it was the first night I ever had trouble sleeping. I stayed up all night crying out of frustration and confusion about what I was doing. But yet I continued in this role for a couple more years. Again, without asking any sort of questions and pretending like I knew what I was doing. It was about three years of what I call my love-hate relationship with my job. I was stuck in this vicious cycle of getting validation for my achievements, the love part, which gave me a little more motivation to keep working hard. And I kept thinking, once I get there, once I learn more, once I get more experience, once I, once I finally figure this out, I'll be able to relax. But I felt like I was a mouse on a treadmill chasing the cheese. The harder I worked, the more exhausted I felt. But the cheese was just still as far away. But I was hungry, so I kept going. After all, the push felt worth it for me. I was able to comfortably live on my own, afford nice things, be able to travel. I was in a relationship. I had supportive friends. But despite all of these positive things in my life, 
I felt lonely, I was exhausted, and I was more confused than ever. I knew I wasn't happy, but I had all the things I thought I wanted. So why was I feeling this way? I wasn't feeling like myself at all, and it was hard to get motivated, and it felt harder to have fun. Even little mistakes I made felt like the biggest horror show. Let me tell you a little story about a trip to Austin. We were there for a family wedding, and of course, I was working on vacation, even though my boss told me to take the day off, and I sent a file to the wrong person, which had a lot of information that shouldn't have been sent. And I lost it. I was screaming at my family. I was crying and it was miserable. But yet I still kept working. And even though I felt so awful about it, I never wanted to talk about it because I felt like such a failure, even though it was just one mistake. I held on to this fake it till you make it mentality, but I hadn't made it yet. So I was worried that people were going to realize I was faking it. So again, every mistake felt like the worst thing in the world. I had worked so hard to get to this point. And if people figured out that I didn't deserve to be here, it was all going to be over. I wouldn't have someone to recommend me for a job. I wouldn't have anything to put on my resume. I was going to have an eight-year gap on my resume. And I was going to be stuck starting completely over. This feels extreme looking back, but it felt oddly normal at the time. And I had this victim mentality, which increased my stress and made it even more difficult to see any positive light. And this victim mentality is very common in burnout, especially severe burnout. And I held on to the idea that if I just pushed a little harder, like I had my whole life, things would get better. I pushed and I pushed and I pushed the only way I knew how until I realized that I didn't even know what I was pushing for anymore, and I didn't even want what I was pushing for anymore, but I didn't see any other way. When I started complaining about how I felt to other people, I was really doing it to seek help and guidance. But what I got was people asking me, quite nicely actually, what it is that I wanted to do. And I couldn't for the life of me answer that question, and it honestly upset me. And because of the victim mentality I was in, with my burnout phase, it felt like they weren't being helpful. I wanted somebody to just give me the answer. I was so used to pushing hard, especially as an athlete, you push hard, you get results. And somebody wasn't just going to give me an answer about how I was going to live my life, but that's exactly what I wanted. This had worked every other time in my life. I just push hard and somebody will give me the answer and things will work out. But that wasn't happening. And the more I pushed, the less helpful those around me felt. I would cry on my way into work in the morning because I couldn't handle another person asking me a question I didn't know the answer to. And when I got to work, I would go hide in the bathroom, a lot of times the gym bathroom because other people wouldn't be in there, just to cry and let my frustration out. The positive feedback from promotions and awards dwindled for me, yet it seemed like people around me were being rewarded for doing absolutely nothing. It felt like I was thrown to the wolves for no reason at all. I had a few people on my team that felt kind of similar to me, but they were able to see the silver lining. I was not able to do that. Come to find out that extreme cynicism is a severe sign, is a sign of severe burnout, which I kind of wish I knew that at the time. The piece of advice that I would get from family and friends was to be positive and that it would all work out. And they were being very nice. And they told me that I would find something that I loved. At the time though, 
I absolutely hated this advice. The thought of being positive was more useless than how I felt. Asking someone who is in a victim state of mind to be positive is like asking a two-year-old to sit still for an hour. I ended up quitting after a long, long time of crying on my way into work, crying my way home from work. Um, But after quitting, I still felt kind of awful. Quitting gave me the same relief as a promotion. It felt great for a minute, but the imposter syndrome and thoughts crept back in. People recommended to me that I see a recruiter, work with a recruiter, or maybe someone to help me with my resume, you know, beef it up for the next opportunity. Other people re- recommended strength finder quizzes to figure out what it was that I was really good at to maybe help me find what I wanted to do that way. But I knew at the time that all of those were very external and what I've felt was very internal. I knew something needed to change, but I had no idea how to do it. My friend finally recommended a coach that a friend had used in a similar situation. And I talked to her, and in just my discovery call with her, I started seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. It was a light I never thought existed. It was probably the dimmest light I would have ever imagined, but it was there. Instead of asking me what I wanted to be when I grew up, the most overwhelming question ever asked ever, she asked me how I wanted to feel. And it felt very hippy-dippy at the time to be talking about feelings with a career coach, but it was actually what I needed to flip the switch in my mind from, I'm a complete failure, to, I think I can do this. I hired her immediately because that's exactly what I needed. In fact, my experience with my career coach was so powerful and inspired me to become a coach as well. I always knew that I wanted to be in a position to serve others, which is why I was a little excited about that customer service role that I mentioned. But since I didn't want to work in fintech anymore, and knew I didn't, we explored therapy, social work, teaching, training, nutrition, a lot of things. And we started really digging into my values to figure out what career would stick for me. And I had never done anything like that before. Again, it seemed a little hippy-dippy to me because it's something that I never did before and never saw other people do. And talking about your feelings just seemed that way to me. But as soon as we did it, I realized it was something that I had been missing this whole time and how important it was. My values were my roadmap. If I couldn't define my values, all I had to go on was someone else's definition of success. And that's what I had been doing this whole time. I still remember the session where I realized that I could find a job that aligned with my values and actually make money doing it. I realized that my success wasn't driven by money or things. It was driven by how closely aligned I was with my values. And the closer aligned I was with my values, ironically allowed me to make more money in a more meaningful way. And that's when I realized that coaching was going to be a great fit for me. It hit every single value in some way, every single one. And after this session, I never looked back. And now I'm more passionate than ever about it. Burnout is becoming a hot topic for a lot of reasons. So I urge you to not be afraid like I was to talk about it and ask questions and ask for help. The number one lesson that I learned is that resilience is not about how hard you can push or how much you can endure. It's about how well you can handle our inevitable imperfection and how willing you are to ask for help. If I knew that long ago, I don't think I would have ever felt the way that I did at my company. 
I said it before and I'll say it again. My burnout was not caused by a situation or another person or the company culture. It was caused by the thoughts and beliefs I held on to as truths for so long. And until I hired a coach to help challenge those beliefs and sift through those thoughts that weren't serving me, I really couldn't see the light. Right now, I know a lot of the working world is feeling undervalued and underappreciated. It's been a long year, and we've had to endure a lot. We lost control of our daily schedule. We lost our social network. We had to take on more responsibilities, and a lot of places, workplaces lost resources. So, of course, people are feeling burnt out. On top of that, a lack of communication has people feeling ignored. These are all very external and out of our control. And the most important thing that we need to remember is that we are still in the driver's seat no matter what. No matter how many things that are thrown at you that you really can't control, you are still in charge. One of my favorite quotes sums this up pretty well. It's not stress that kills us. It's our reaction to it. What I learned is that you can remove all of the stress from your life. I quit my job and moved to Montana for a month with zero worries in the world. Sounds fabulous, right? Yet I still felt empty. I never realized how important my thoughts and my reactions to stressors were. Until I learned how to do the internal work, I wasn't happy or fulfilled. I was literally living my dream life that I had painted up and I still felt depleted. We hold on to many of our thoughts as truths and blame the external world for our stress and frustrations. We pick up and move jobs. We move to a new country. We remove people from our lives. We remove situations from our lives. We add in working out. We add in meditation. We do all these things that may be important for sure, but the most important thing you can do is to connect with yourself and get to know what thoughts and beliefs you are holding onto that no longer serve you. No matter how awful you are feeling right now, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and you have to be willing to do the work and put in the time to get there. So that's my story. It's a lot. And I really appreciate you all listening if you made it to this point. And I didn't get into this career just to tell my story. I got into it because this was such a powerful shift in my life. And I want people to get the same help that I wish I had at that time. And avoid how I felt at the end when I was in my extreme burnout. And I want people to find that light at the end of the tunnel sooner than I did. So if any of this resonated with you, you can visit my website at www.laurennicholscoaching.com for information on my individual and group coaching programs. I really hope you guys enjoyed listening to my story, and I hope to see you on the next podcast.